You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Hey, I'm going to be ministering tonight on the way you see yourself. And this is really a important message. Of course, they all are. But this one particularly because of the fact that the way that we see ourselves will determine whether or not we have the faith to achieve and succeed at what God has called us to do. In other words, if the way I see myself is not the way Christ sees me, and I have the wrong image, I'm never going to be able to believe God and really go to the measure that God wants me to go in my life. In fact, let me just say this. The way that God sees you is not as important as the way that you think he sees you. And to prove that to you in Scripture... God saw Moses as a deliverer of Israel out of bondage. And he saw him as one that not only delivered him out of Egypt, but saw them bring him into the promised land that flowed with milk and honey, which we know because Moses was not able to go in because of the way that he saw himself. He lost his temper and didn't see himself in the light of Scripture. And we also get and see examples of, of something similar to that, when it comes to Gideon, Gideon was not able to deliver the, the people from their oppressors until he believed what God said about him. God said, you're a mighty man of valor. It took him a while before that hatched in his spirit and faith grew up. And then he was able to achieve and succeed at what God had called him to do. That's why the way you see yourself is critical. And this isn't a message about self-esteem. This is a message about Christ-esteem. As he is, so are you in this world. Not as Jesus was, but as Jesus is right now, the resurrected Lord with all authority and power. The Bible says, as he is, so are you in this world. And the sooner we see ourselves in the light of that, the sooner we'll be able to achieve and succeed at what God has called us to do. How many feel like in life you've been ripped off? Maybe you've been in a bad relationship. Maybe some took advantage of you. Maybe your parents didn't do the right things and you had a, a great disadvantage in your life and it feels like you've been shorted in comparison to other people. Or how many feel like sometimes if I just would have had an opportunity, I could have achieved and succeeded at this area in my life or that in my life, but I never was given that. I'm going to share some truth tonight that's going to open that up to you. And you realize it's never too late. It's only too late when you're dead. Say amen. Look at this verse with me in Ephesians. Put it up on the screen. And I want to stress something here from this verse. In the verses we read it, the word think is also the word for imagination. In fact, if you have the Passion Translation, it translates it imagination. And so let's look at that in mind. Look at what he says. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. Now notice what it says. God is able. Now just because God is able doesn't mean he will. It just means God has an ability to do far beyond whatever we've asked and whatever we have imagined. He's able to do that. Now, I learned this truth years ago when I started on the faith. I was a new Christian. 
And I, my asking, I just say this, my asking basically whenever I ask God for something, it was to meet a basic need. It was never asking for an abundance. It was always just meet the need. Because I was raised that way. We just, uh, I wasn't in a rich family. And if the need was met, just the basic needs, we were happy campers. So I, I remember we were suffering financially. Joyce and I, and I had prayed, and I said, Lord, you know, we're a little short here on making house payments and all that. And, and I said, uh, I, I, I'm asking for just $100. Now, actually, what I needed was $125, but because of my little thinking, I rounded it off at $100. And I, and I remember I prayed that in faith and and, I, and I, I was thanking God for it, and, and I didn't mention to anybody in the church that I needed $100. I didn't mention to anybody. And a brother, he's a, a real soul winner. He came up to me, he says, Pastor, uh, I'm going to give you $100. I said, well, thank you so much. But then he said this to me. He said, I was going to give you more. But God said, don't give him more. He only asked for a hundred. Now you got to understand when God does something like that, He's trying to teach you something. God's able, Amen, to go beyond the hundred. But my thinking was limited, and and normally when God speaks to somebody about helping somebody out, He doesn't mention what I just mentioned to the individual to tell me. They'll just give it to you. But he did it because he wanted me to teach you years later that God is limited on what he can do in your life based on what you ask for. In other words, he's able to do far beyond your biggest dreams. So keep stretching your faith. Keep reaching high. Keep believing not just you'll recover, but you won't have those symptoms come back in your body. Don't just believe that you'll have enough to get by when you get older. Believe that you'll have more than enough to give away when you're older and have more than enough. Am I preaching the right crowd tonight? Now, this this is so true because you can't bear fruit at the measure that God desires if you're not continually stretching yourself. And believing that God will do more in your life than what he has up to that point. God is, he, God desires that we would reign in life. God desires that his will would prevail in our life. God desires that, but he needs a vessel that would dare to believe and ask and receive. Now notice in the verse, he says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or imagine now, now catch this when the bible says to ask you got to ask in faith people ask god all the time for things but not in faith when you ask in faith you believe you have it when you imagine in faith you believe you have what you imagine do you see the difference and this is vital 
because you can ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and it will work unless you ask in faith. When you ask in faith, you first of all know God's will and you receive what you ask for even though you don't see it, even though you don't touch it, even though you haven't experienced it yet, you believe that you have it. And the same with what you imagine that you believe for. Now, to give you another illustration of this, one that affected me deeply, this is a true story that happened to a pastor that I met in Tacoma one time. And this pastor was a pastor of one of the largest churches in the world at that time, Dr. Cho. And it's a story told where uh, his church was one of the biggest in the world at the time that he went over to the United States to minister the message of vision and all that. And so he went over this pastor's church, and in the pastor's church, uh, the pastor said, well, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. You've never been to Disneyland. You've been over there in Korea, and so I want to bring you, take you to Disneyland. So he took him to Disneyland, and so they went into the park, and they're enjoying the park and all that. And all of a sudden, the pastor notices that Dr. Cho is no longer with him. So he says, anybody see Dr. Cho? I said, I don't know. He's gone. So he walks out into the parking lot, and in those days, you'd park your car around the park. You were on buses and all that stuff. And he's out in the car weeping. And the pastor says, what's the matter? And he says, my vision's too small. He had been exposed to this visionary that had built this empire to, be, to have fun. And he realized his vision for Korea was way too small and, I, and I'll never forget that story because he was so moved by that. Now, I know it's that verse. He knows that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that he could imagine. He could imagine to have one of the largest churches in, in Korea. But it still was nothing what God could do. And my question to you today is simply this. In your life right now, if you want to retrieve things, you've got to see yourself in the right light, which means you're going to have to ask and stretch your faith and believe God and, and, and just stretch your faith for bigger things in your life. And you can't do that unless you see yourself in the light of Scripture, in the light of what Jesus is. If you do that, you'll be blessed abundantly. Let me tell you one of the greatest vision stealers there is. It's called offense. Offense is one of the greatest vision killers that exist on the planet. Because here's what happens when you grow up in life and, and when you first meet your friends and everything's fine and you think everybody's fairly nice and whatever. Every so often someone will come along and hurt you in a terrible way and then your Christianity is tested Bible said to forgive everybody but it hurts inside it hurts I, com I trusted those people I committed my life we were friends we were close it really hurts inside let me tell you why people never forgive or they have a hard time with it they believe that the person that hurt them has the power to, re to destroy the rest of their life. In other words, that husband that was unfaithful, 
that ran after that younger girl or whatever it may be and, and left you with all the bills and all that. And, and now you've got a conflict between you, uh, the kids and him. When he's with, uh, the kids are with him, they're, he, he's brainwashing them that you're the problem. And, and you have this conflict constantly going on and, and your finances are, are, are being uh, just sucked up. And, and you think to yourself, Man, I'm never going to have a life. No one's ever going to want to marry me with all the baggage that I have in my life. And, and that's why you stay offended. Because you believe that the offender is more powerful than the will of God in God's future. You got to stand up and say, it don't matter. Praise God what someone has done to me. God is greater than the problem. God is greater than the situation. And God has provided for me a hope and a future. And so God has someone that will marry me again with all the baggage I got and bless me abundantly because it's not over until it's over. Come on, church. God wants you to know that tonight that you can retrieve all. But you got to see yourself in the light of Scripture that greater is he that is in you, that you of an anointing of the Holy Ghost and no matter how hard you've been hurt that hurt cannot stop your future if you refuse to believe it can amen Amen. and I know I use divorce and I don't mean to bring up any old wounds a lot of people are suffering because of bad relationships it was really prophesied by scripture That in the days that we live in, iniquity would increase and the love for each other would would grow cold. I've never seen a culture that is so unloving now as the culture we live in. But that doesn't mean you can't win. That doesn't mean, think about Jesus. Think about what he did. He had literally given his life for the people. He had prayed all night for people. He had ministered and raised the dead, cleansed the leopard, healed the sick. And we're talking about so many people that Jesus said there wouldn't be enough books to write about it if it was all written down. We only have 33 miracles of the four Gospels, but there was thousands of people that Jesus healed. And yet... On the day that he went to the cross or on the, on the weekend before, uh, you know, he, he, the, the terrible things happened to him. You remember they laid out palm leaves and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, save us, save us, save us, save us. You know why they did that? Because they wanted him to save them from the Romans. He had already saved them from their health issues. He had already saved them from demonic oppression. And they said that it was the same group of people that a few days later said, crucify him, crucify him. Let Barnabas go, who was a murderer, and crucify the very one that set me free. And you know what he said to the high priest that was handing him over to the Romans? To be crucified? He said, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I'm truly saying to you that you're going to see the Son of Man or me coming in the power of the kingdom. Even when he's facing the cross, he knows that the cross will not stop 
the fulfillment of God's will. In fact, it was the very thing that exalted him to the right, right hand of the Father. Amen? Now, if Jesus can do that, we can put up with somebody that gives us a bad time, can't we? I don't believe your mistakes can stop your future. It's only when you believe your mistakes can stop your future. They can stop your future. They can delay it, but they can't stop it. As long as you're in faith, it's going to keep coming. Sure, Moses and this unbelief of the people he was leading stopped Joshua and Caleb from entering the promised land for 40 years, but they didn't stop it and, and prevent it from happening. They just delayed it. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I love people even that, though they delay it. Even though the unbelief of some are bad, I still believe God bless them. Now watch this thing. I want you to see something. There can be in your life what I call baggage of loss, where you lost this, you lost that, you lost this. And as you go through life, you're dragging this baggage along with you. And I'm not trying to be unsympathetic, but you'll never get the future you want as long as you drag that baggage around. You got to let it go. And remember, there's always someone that suffered worse than you that did great things. Amen? Said amen. Bible said if you suffer with him, you will be heirs with him. Hallelujah. So we got to press through in faith and, and realize the way that I evaluate myself. If I evaluate myself through the eyes of Scripture, I'm going to be more confident. I'm going to believe that Christ can do anything in my life and he can bless me. Let me show you something about faith tonight that is just so... It's a great revelation. You remember in Scripture when Abraham was in his tent and God spoke to him. It's one of those moments where God's speaking to you. And God speaks to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you children. So many children that you can't count them. And he says, I want you to go outside of the tent and I want you to count the stars if you can. And to the, the measure that you can, understand something, those are your children I'm giving you. Now, the plumbing's all bad on Abraham. Understand, the plumbing's bad. It don't work anymore. His wife is too old. She's went through menopause. And God's doing something impossible. And so he goes out and he looks at the stars Starts to count him and go, okay, I believe you, God. And the Bible said it was accounted to him as righteousness. But notice the process. I want you to see the process. The process was he believed what God said, acted on it, and imagined it. He acted on it and imagined it. He, he believed first what the word said, and then he acted on it he stepped out of the tent he looked up he counted to them he was acting on it and while he was acting on it he was imagining each one of those stars as one of his disciples this is taught elsewhere in scripture let me give you two verses uh hebrews chapter 1 or 11 verse 1 watch this now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen the word substance is hypostasis. 
It's used in that verse. The same word is used in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says that he is the express image, talking about Jesus, of his person, Hebrews 1, 3. The word person is hypostasis. But notice it says that Jesus is the image of hypostasis. In other words, it, faith has an image. Faith has an image. It's not just a statement, it's an image. I'm going to meet all of your needs abundantly above all I can think or imagine. What does that look like? All your children will be saved in your household. What does that look like? You're going to give an inheritance to your children's children. What does that look like? You're the head and not the tail. What does that look like? Does that look like you're being controlled by the government? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Does that mean that you are destiny or you are the author? Maybe not the author, but the director of your future. That your life is not being controlled by government or other people. You are deciding when you learn God's will what you'll do and what you'll achieve. And no one's going to stop you. You're the head. What does it look like? Hallelujah. When I look in Scripture, one of the things that I see that amazes me is how the Word of God reveals to us things that we don't see through the natural mind. We don't see it. We, all we see is the same as we've always seen. We don't realize that when you're in faith, there's a picture of it in your heart. And there's actions that always follow suit with what you believe. You talk to a mother that's raising children and she wants to be a virtuous woman. If she sees herself as a virtuous woman, there's going to be actions that follow it. And she's going to see herself as children that love God. There's going to be that picture of it, but there's also going to be those actions. Now, this is a key because if you're going to succeed in your faith, you've got to have this quality. Look here in James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, and look what it says. Thus also faith by itself does not have works is dead. Someone who will say, you have faith and have works, and show me faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, I know you've heard this, but I need to stress it because people say, well, I'm not under the works of the law. I don't have to do anything to be saved. No, you're not saved because you do something, but when you believe and you are saved, it produces doing in your life. In other words, if you confess Jesus as Lord and then go out and live like the devil, it's obvious you're not born again. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good. If you say you believe that the building is on fire when the alarm goes off, you're not going to sit in the building looking around wondering what's happening. You're going to get up and walk out of the building, right? Because what do you do? You believe that it's on fire. If there's no actions, you don't really believe. If you believe you're healed, you don't plan on not getting healed. If you believe God's going to prosper you, you don't plan on going broke. You don't, plan, you don't have plan A and plan B and plan C and plan D. You got one plan, 
And that is I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to be a steward. I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to come out of the debt that I'm in. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to pay for my house. I'm going to get what I need for my family. And you make plans towards that. And there's all these actions that flow with that. Can you say amen, everybody? So there's a power in this that I want you to understand and I want you to embrace that God wants your faith to be alive with actions. I'm praying for people to be saved. When's the last time you shared your faith with anybody? It's dead unless you share your faith. Well, I'm praying that so-and-so, you know, will come to Jesus. Well, send them some truth. Say something to them. Or pray that God would send someone to them. But someone's got to act on it. It can't all just be lip service. There's got to be action that goes with it. Years ago, I heard this story. It's a great story about works. And it was about a young man that had a ferry service. And he would take his little boat and he'd ferry people over the other side of the lake. And, and it wasn't a big ship. It was just a little boat, a pretty big boat. But it was one he had to, uh, he had to row it over to the other side. And on one uh, oar, it said works. The other oar said faith. So one day he's taking some people over. And one of the individuals says, what is that on the oars? One says works. One says faith. And so he stopped on the middle of the lake and he says, I'll show you. And he started doing the one that said works. And the boat started going around in a circle. And he says, works won't work without faith. And he says, all right, I'm going to just do faith. And he went around the circle again. He said, if you're going to get to your destination, first of all, you got to see it. And the other thing is you got to, with your faith, have actions. I'm believing, but here's some actions. I'm believing I'm healed. And what am I doing? I'm walking around the streets of Tulsa, quoting scripture, thanking God for my healing, telling my wife I'm healed. I've got some works that go with it. And that's when the healing starts happening. I mean, what would have happened to the man that Jesus healed who was blind? He put mud in his eyes. He said, go wash at the pool of, of Shalom. What would happen if he would have stopped off at another pool and washed? He wouldn't have become healing. In other words, his works had to bring to perfection the very thing he's believing for. Pastor, pray for my, my children. They're just out of control. I don't know what to do with them. They're just bouncing off the wall. Would you pray? Would you bind every spirit and whatever so these children aren't bouncing off the wall? And I will do that. But what you need to do after we pray is whip them. In faith, I'm spanking you. In faith, you're going to your room. In faith, you're going to learn to take out the garbage. In faith, you're going to do that or there's going to be consequences. And then your faith has something to work with. But if it's just pray for them, it just won't work. You want your marriage better? It's got to have some works. Can't be the same old thing. I come home, I watch my TV, go to bed, that's it. We have sex once a week, that's it. It lasts about 40 minutes, sometimes 30, that's it. If you want a good marriage, you got to work on it. You got to 
increase what you're believing for and increase your actions. You could do something like this. I'm going to tell my wife every day how wonderful and beautiful she is. Whether I write her a note, leave it in her lunch bucket, or call her on her job, or I stop by and buy her a latte where she's working or whatever, I'm going to increase that. Got a little quiet when I preached on that. But but do you understand what I'm saying? You can't just believe. I'm believing I'm going to lose weight. Well, oh, that's going to really help. Are you going to do anything? Well, yeah, I got a membership. Have you ever been there? No, but it's there. I got it in my pocket right here. It's right here. Praise God. I got a, I got a membership. It's great. When was the last time you worked out? Uh, a month ago, but I'm believing I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Well, that'd be great if it happened, but the reality is it won't. You have to believe. And, you know, I use faith for everything. I use faith for anything I, I believe I can't do. If I believe I can't do it, then I go to the Word and find out I can do it and then believe for it and then stretch for it. So whatever it is, you can do it. I can't do it. I can't do that much. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. What you got to do is believe, put your faith to it, begin to act on it. Hallelujah. As you act on it, it'll begin to change in your life. Hallelujah. I know you're really excited about that. But remember, all things are possible if you believe. Isn't that what the Word says? It says all things are possible with God and all things are possible if you believe. I'll give you two illustrations. I gave you one, I think, last week on this, but the same one. It's a, it was General Electric. A, a new employer was hired on. And the people that worked there wanted to play a joke on him, so they told him. They said, all right, here's what your job is. We want you to put frost in the side of a light bulb. It had never been done. No manufacturer has ever produced it. It had never been done. But no one had told him that it was impossible. So he created it. It was meant to be a gag. But, but he, no, he didn't believe it couldn't be done. No one said it was impossible. And because no one said it was impossible, he did what seemed to be impossible. Another example of this is an Olympic trainer. He's training a, 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 a you know, a, a power lifter. And they're in the competition, whatever. And the uh, coach tells them, uh, this is the same amount of weight that you've lifted many, many times. You can just go ahead and lift it now. The guy lifts it up, and the coach is laughing because he just broke his record. He lied to him. He said that it was the same amount of weight that he's lifted many times. It was much more than what he had lifted before, but because he didn't believe it was impossible, he just went ahead and did it. Say amen. Now, you can see the faith of God is designed not just so we have the supernatural. It's designed for life. It's designed for life. It's designed for your career. It's designed for raising children. It's designed for everything in your life that God would empower you and help you get that breakthrough that you desire in your life. But you're going to have to start seeing yourself the way God sees you, and you were created in his image. When God sees you, he sees Christ in you.
And if you can start seeing yourself the way that Christ sees you, there'll be nothing you can't do. You'll be able to see. Now, here's another area that I think people struggle in this area where they really have problems, and that is the area of whether or not God is behind the problem or whether Satan is behind the problem. If you get around religious people, a lot of them think that they're, you know, if they're losing their house, God's teaching them something. Or if they have a disease, they can't get healed, God's teaching you something. You got to get this settled in your mind who you're warring against. And I believe a lot of it is because of a misunderstanding of the wrath of God. The wrath of God, please understand this, is never, ever, ever, ever poured on God's children. God never punishes his children. He'll chasten you with his word, but he never puts disease on people. He never does that. And in fact, even people who are unbelievers that are resisting the will of God, God doesn't even put sickness on them, even though it may appear to you. Remember when uh, uh, Elisha was in his home and the, and, the, and the enemy came around and surrounded him and he came out and, and God blinded all the soldiers. They let him in and they were captured. Well, they didn't stay blind. Their eyes were open again. It wasn't the disease of blindness. It was just God's power. But you have to, you have to, you got to be established in that or you get into trouble. Remember when Noah or when God destroyed the earth through the flood, Noah never had one drop of rain come on his head. Everybody was inside of the ark. The ark was sealed up before God's wrath was poured out on the earth. In fact, even after the flood was over and the ark settled and Noah and his family came out, from that point on, it did rain on the earth. But it didn't destroy the earth from the rain, but it did rain. And I imagine the first time that it rained, they're going, "Uh uh-oh, I hope this isn't the beginning of what just happened. But God, what did he do to him? He says, I'm gonna, I don't want you to be afraid. Here's, I want your, see that rainbow there? It wasn't there before. And it is a reminder that I will never, ever, ever again destroy the earth with water. Say amen. amen. And so, and you, and you go a little step farther. If you go with, uh, for instance, Moses, remember the 10 plagues that came on Egypt? Did you know that the Israelites weren't affected by those 10 plagues in any way, shape, or form? In fact, the plagues became like a snow day. They would normally be doing hard work, but when it got so dark you couldn't, it says you could feel the darkness, they weren't working that day. They were in Gosha, and the sun was out. When the lights broke out on people and the animals, it only broke out on people outside of Gosha. In Gosha, they were protected. In fact, the Israelites didn't experience one thing. They didn't experience frogs in their house. They didn't experience anything concerning the wrath or the judgment of God that fell on the people of of Egypt. And it only fell on the people of Egypt because they wouldn't let the people go. They would have let the people go. God never would have judged Israel or Egypt in the way that he did. 
So the wrath is always, always like that. And when you see it in the Old Testament and you see the wrath of God come on, it's always the same thing. It's always someone who's determined to stop God's perfect will or to stop God from doing what he needs to do on the earth. It's always hurting his children, whatever. But even in that case, God's power many times doesn't pour wrath on the person. You remember when they took the three young men and they threw them in the fiery furnace? They could have just killed the king. God could have just fried him. But instead, his power protected them in the fiery oven so that he would believe. And then it became a state religion. So the wrath of God that falls in the great tribulation isn't going to fall when we're here. If you want to stay, that's fine. I'm going up, praise God. That last trump is coming. And I want to tell you that last trump, you know what it represents? The last trump? In Corinth, they had the Olympic Games. And when the games were over, a trumpet would blow. This is 40, 50 years before the book of Revelation was written, and they talked about the seven trumpets. Paul used the Olympic Games all the time in Corinth. He talked about wrestlers that wrestle with each other. He, when he talked about spiritual warfare, he talked about runners that run in a way to win. He always used sports because that's the kind of people they were. They were a sports town. And he said, when that last trump blows, in other words, it's going to be the end of the age of the Gentiles, we're going to go up in the twinkling of an eye. And the twinkling of an eye is the Greek word for atom. It means the smallest amount of time. In other words, faster than a blink. Poof. Don't you want to get raptured? But when I preach this, there's a lot of people that want to believe that we're in the great tribulation right now. Some people believe that. Some people believe, oh, the Antichrist is alive right now. You're crazy. It's wrong. It's unscriptural. It's total garbage. It's not true. We're going on the middle. It can't be the middle. If it's the middle, you would know the day and the hour. Because as soon as tribulation starts, you know when it starts. The Antichrist starts ruling the world. You know the day it starts. So it can't be the middle. It can't be the end. Because you know it would be at the end. The only time it could be is when you don't know it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be. But I know one thing, I'm leaving. And I pray that I see some of the church up there, or I'm going to be disappointed. (laughs) Amen? But I'm saying this because the way that you see things is very critical if you're going to really achieve to and achieve to the dreams that God has called you to do. And remember this in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. It says this, that in the day of grace that we live in right now, put it on the screen, look at this. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world himself, watch, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed us the word of reconciliation. In other words, after Jesus went to the cross, God said, all right, I'm not going to impute any sin to the people right now. Today is the day of salvation. What I want my church to do is go out and tell people that today is the day to be saved. It's not going to be forever, but it is right now. So God's not imputing sin to the unbeliever right now. So if there's a tornado, it won't be one that kills you. It'll be one that takes you up like Elijah. Amen? So there's not going to... So all of these natural disasters are from Satan. They're not from God. 
God is not blowing down churches. God is not sending the pandemic. God is not doing it. It's the devil. He's the one we are fighting against because he knows his time is short. And because it's short, he's doing everything possible he can. Remember this. There's no such thing as friendly fire with God. In the military, soldiers sometimes on, on their army, they're, 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 they'll shoot missiles and sometimes get caught in the, in the blast, and they call it friendly fire. There is no friendly fire from God with his church. You're not going to end up getting your leg blown off because of God's judgment. Amen. Man, I tell you, this is so cool. I love this just brings light. Let, let, me, let me wind this up. Is that what time is this? Okay. 2 Corinthians 3.18, look at this. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror in the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from the glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now notice, we look in the Word. Look at that. As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. The, our maker is in the mirror. Let me say it again. The maker is in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, you're not seeing yourself. You're seeing what the maker has made you like. You're seeing yourself made in the image and the likeness of God. I want you to start seeing yourself as the champion. I want you to start seeing yourself as the head. I don't want you to see yourself as defeated. I don't want to see yourself as under the, under, the, under the weather. I want you to see yourself on top of it, strong and mighty, because as he is, so are you in this world. The way you see yourself is vital. Did you know in the animal kingdom that a lot of animals, when they see themselves in a mirror, they can't tell it's them. That's why you see a dog, he'll go up to a, a mirror and he'll start barking because he thinks it's another dog. It's actually him. He's just barking. He's confused. In fact, you can take a, a bird and you can put a mirror in their cage and it's proven that the mirror will cause their stress level to go down because they believe there's another bird in the cage with them. Well, we're, we're the only thing that God created they can recognize things when we reflect it. And what we got to do is recognize that the image that's coming out of the word is not you. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you. It's his power, his glory. It's Christ in you that's making the difference in your life. You know that a lion... If you go on a safari in Africa, which I never have, I'd love to, they put you in these big Jeeps, all these people. And there's no top to the Jeep. It's wide open. And they go through areas where the lions are. And the lions never jump inside the Jeep and eat anybody. Because all the lion sees is this big animal. The vehicle is an animal. As long as you stay in the Jeep, they'll never eat you. Their perception stinks. We, in Christ, can't get hurt 
In Christ, we have his righteousness. In Christ, we have his authority. In Christ, we're more than conquerors. In Christ, we're the head, not the tail. In Christ, we can overcome, and that's all for you. But you've got to begin to look in the Word and, and see yourself the way that God sees you. And everyone that loved them said amen. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.